In a podcast where two people talk to one other person, the most interesting man in the world. Or at least in Thailand. <laughs> Definitely in Pi. This episode, we focus on topics such as PTSD, Me Too movement, Kung Fu, and its healing properties. AJ has a really interesting way of experiencing cultures. He travels around the world and participates in that culture's form of martial arts. So uh, we mostly focus on actually not Thailand's native form of martial arts in this episode because we met AJ at Kung Fu retreat here in Thailand. Uh, This Kung Fu retreat has had a profound effect on us and everyone else we know that's attended it. Uh, We talk a lot about the Kung Fu retreat in this episode and about... um, what kung fu is it's probably different or it certainly was a lot different than what trevor and i thought it was when we went into it um there's a lot of it's really an amazing balance of mind body fitness and you can find more information about this kung fu retreat in the beautiful mountain setting of thai thailand at kungfuretreat.com we highly recommend it to everyone ever yes you can also find out more information about AJ's particular project that he's working with. AJ experienced PTSD from his time overseas and was helped by the Kung Fu Retreat so much he was inspired to create Project Hammer and help bring other veterans to the retreat. You should definitely go check out Project Hammer. Um, you can currently find it at www.gofundme.com slash project hammer and as always that link and lots of other awesome things will be available at our website in this particular episode so that's occasionally interesting.com and the episode with aj and tons of goodies and as always when when you're on our website be sure to click on our amazon link and bookmark that And from now on, do all your Amazon shopping through us. This episode gets into some pretty heavy and intense stuff, but um, AG's just so pleasant to talk to that I think it all feels very palatable. Uh, You will also hear us try to get out government secrets from AJ, which... You'll also hear me, I, I, I think at the very end, this has been, since the moment I met AJ, I've been trying to get him to, to twerk for me, and uh, I, I have not been successful yet. This has been about a six-month-long running quest, and I keep trying to trick him, and he's just uh, he's just too quick, all that military training, I guess. But perhaps in celebration of the final release of this podcast, you will oblige Jen's request, which That's if you go game. to our website and see the three of us together, you'll understand how amusing this will be. There may be a video up there soon, so keep Stay checking tuned. back. Yeah, Click that Amazon link at the top right-hand corner and shop through us to help promote this friendly neighborhood podcast of yours. And other adventures unrelated to this episode. For those of you staying tuned... Trevor keeps on getting better and better at baking bread. I know this is like the hot the hot button thing that our listeners want updates on. And uh, suspense. We had a really nice rise this morning's loaf. Trevor made some more delicious bread this morning and it, it looks really beautiful. We'll post it on the Instagram page. 
So the family uh, squared the bread with enough uh, not courage, but courage. <laughs> Emphasis. I don't know. He's making a really intense hand motion right now. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got to go all in. Like you know, you can't pussyfoot around it. You really got to just slash that thing open. You know, just one swift motion. Oh with, yeah. With with you know, a lot of courage, keep coming. Not courage, but intensity. Help me out here. I'm trying. So sorry, I can usually read your brain. When somebody, when somebody is Bravery. like, yeah, you're closer, man. But like uh, valor. That's a little too over the top here. I don't know. It's that valiant of an effort. That Trevor scores his bread with valor, guys. Don't listen to him. You'll see on our Instagram post. He'll be look at that bread and be like, "Damn!" Why is this valiant. word escaping me? This is really going to irritate me. Like, um, 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 when somebody isn't shy, opposite of shy, outgoing, wow. <laughs> I don't know what is the opposite of shy. I think outgoing, right? Confidence. Uh, to slash it with confidence. The opposite of shy is confidence. No way, that's offensive. I'd say perhaps yeah. I think shy has a negative connotation to it. What? Any implication? You think when you? I think there's a difference between being shy and being reserved. It depends on what definition that you're using, really. I mean, like, you know, I, I was thinking about context. this yesterday as we were driving back to Pi on the motorbike. I was just thinking about like. Pretty much everyone I know and love is introverted, and when I hear these, well, I mean, I think that it was our one of our favorite authors here, Elizabeth, on her TED talk. Um, she talks about the difference between being shy and being introverted, and that, and again, these I think I think these terms are a little pliable. But, yeah, but that uh, you can be introverted, not necessarily shy. Totally. Um, and in that difference, acknowledging that difference, shy is definitely a more negative connotation. Of but that's still crazy. I don't know. Because it's a lot of times, again, I don't know, we've talked about this in past episodes, but like I'll be really quiet in a lot of social situations, again, because I'm, I don't, I don't think anybody who really knows me would ever call me shy, but a lot of times I'll be quiet because a situation feels uncomfortable and i don't feel the need to kind of soothe the tension so i'm just going to be quiet well i wouldn't say that speaks to shyness or confidence then but somebody else would look at that situation and be like oh that girl's really shy i mean people have called me shy yeah but you can't the whole time i lived in la everybody who ever met me like referred to me as the shy girl but just because somebody else might interpret your actions as shyness rather than a more accurate other description it doesn't mean that it's not fair to say that the opposite of shyness is confidence i don't i don't i don't think they're necessarily like i think they're in opposition to one another but i wouldn't say they're necessarily opposites i think you can i was just trying to get you to say confidence i don't know what you okay, want me to tell you sorry bud you're doing great yeah what was you, so say? you scored the bread you didn't Other than the unconfidence, what's the antonym of co- confidence? Insecure. All right, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this is how fights go in our family. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of fights, on this episode, Trevor describes the the physical altercations he got into as a youth and the 
That's enjoyable. <laughs> in past episodes, we talked about code switching, and you can hear Trevor as he gets into uh, the mode of being in that memory. He he, his ghetto comes out of it. <laughs> All right, let's see here, y'all. I got you know. Sometimes you gotta you gotta go out there. And you gotta you gotta be you. You know what I mean? You gotta be you. You gotta be you. And you gotta defend you. <laughs> Those who want to take what you got. You know what I mean? Not I mean. Not mean. As you gotta step up or step out. Ship in or ship out. You know what I mean? Like this is a fucking freight train out here. You gotta, <laughs> gotta get the cargo to where the cargo gotta go. I don't know. Just listen and find out. All right. <laughs> um. And for anybody listening, as this episode drops, uh, we are having a contest as an incentive to get you guys to review us. I can't see your name on iTunes unless you leave us a review. So if you just give us a rating, that doesn't count. Um, for if you, if you leave us a review in the first month, so before March 14th, then you will be entered to win me occasionally interesting interestingifying your face. So if you take a look at our cover art, I will do that to your face or the face of anybody you submit. So please get on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if, as long as it has a review capability, leave us a review. And if you are listening somewhere that doesn't have a review capability, then share this on social media and tag me and tag occasionally at occasionally interesting and i'll count that as well if if you say like i can't review but here i'm sharing you then that's still good one last thing today we learned that bernie sanders in one day raised more money than all the other candidates combined so go hit that donate button and keep the train rolling for 2020 what, what? bernie 2020 yeah yeah Occasionally interesting. They are occasionally interesting. Yeah, I don't know. The, the retreat gets a lot of damaged people, but also I've done other martial arts, and it seems like the same thing. Uh, my my boy, he got robbed. He got uh, stabbed. And they took his car, and they, they beat him up, and they trashed his car. And then that's what got him into Muay Thai. But he could already fight before that. So it, I think it's the same concept with the retreat. Um, so you think, like, people feel victimized, and then they yeah, turn yeah, to martial yeah. arts as well? Well, I think, I think, yeah, they feel victimized, and they want to do something about it. Which martial arts or fighting is the, the right place to go, I think, personally. Um you should build yourself from trauma, not fucking uh, revel in it and think about it every day and like let it eat you alive. But you should do something. About it. Oh fuck yeah! That's sort of like what the retreat is, or even all the martial art places. Mm. We're gonna get into that for sure. But first, let's do our official fancy introduction. Uh, we met AJ at our kung fu retreat and quickly learned that he must be related to that Dosakis guy as he might be the most interesting man in the world and is just as, co- as cool and blasé about it. He travels the world and experiences culture in a very different way than most by fully immersing himself into whatever culture's native martial arts is. He works for the U.S. Department of Defense and we're going to try to trick him into telling us all of his secrets. Welcome, AJ! Hey, what's up? What's up, <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. Not being a victim of trauma. All right. That's an interesting thing of uh, martial arts, but this is definitely something 
I'm just going to take it in the totally opposite direction, see if you have anything to say about it. This is something that we talk about frequently and uh, are planning on taking a intentional approach of really delving into it on the podcast with different guests, but we're really interested in this whole uh, Me Too movement and in general, like, trauma of, I guess, mostly emotional varieties and and how people deal with that, how people come out of that, and really what is it that makes somebody, two different people go through maybe the same trauma and one person walks away from that and spends the rest of their life being a victim who who lives the life of a victim and whatever that means and the other person might come out of it like a phoenix and be stronger for it and feel you know maybe even proud to have gone through that trauma and proud to talk about it and be able to help people and even a third person might be like that's a thing that happened to me and it doesn't really matter. Like that doesn't, that's never going to define me. That's just an event that occurred. I'm like, do you have any, uh, insight? Put, put into another it? way, post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic stress. Ooh, I like that one. Post-traumatic growth. We might have to use that. I quote you, I'll quote you on it from here on out. <laughs> post-traumatic growth. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to write that one down. Actually. I can't take full credit. I actually learned that term from an NPR segment Mm -hmm. that was discussing a new study into this that they were just conducting, so I did not hear the outcome of it, but it is a term that is being recently studied. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much the core of, like, Project Hammer. He's talking about um, the hypervigilance and stuff like that, but post-traumatic stress disorder um, versus, like, yeah, the... The PTSG, <laughs> post-traumatic growth. Uh, I think that's really cool. It's a better way to sort of look at it. Because I guess, I guess essentially that's what, you know, martial arts can be or what it is now, especially with the Me Too movement that you uh, mentioned. Because uh, there's a lot of females in martial arts now. The, the number has grown a lot. I don't think you, I don't know if you was there for the, um, tea time we had i don't know if someone asked this someone did ask this question i don't know if you guys are there for it but uh master ian says like we get a lot more females now than like you know 20 years ago when i was practicing um i think some of it does have to do with the me too movement like sort of people want to be empowered generally speaking and uh women definitely i think maybe there's more of a like i want to grow from my trauma instead of just reveling it and uh do nothing. I just I'll just say, oh, this is what happens because I'm a woman. It's just like, no, this isn't what's gonna happen, and I'm gonna fucking make sure that it's not gonna happen anymore. So martial arts definitely can give that to you um, through growth. Have you noticed a difference in, say, the I'll say girls, since it is a topic that with the Me Too movement, like a type of personality that is more drawn to going out and trying to do something that will be beneficial to them, like learn martial arts in a way that if a scenario that was traumatic to them happens again, they'd be able to be in a greater power dynamic with it versus somebody who doesn't. Like what draws that type of person to martial arts? Oh, that particular thing. Um, that... And I, I mean... I can't really 
it, it's hard for me to speak for other people. I think I can speak for myself. I've been fighting since I was a kid, since elementary school. And uh, I went through a period of winning all my fights. And then I went through a period of losing a lot of them. And then I started doing boxing. And I just won everyone after that. Like, it was sort of... <laughs> um, I don't know if there was a spark or something. But it was definitely a necessity. It's definitely... I mean, that just from where I was... Where I grew up. It's from the area where I grew up. We just... Everyone fights. Um, but maybe it's the same for females. It's uh, maybe they feel like they, you know, they have the sort of secondary place in society, which is that's definitely changing. But they want to do something about it. They don't like being weaker than men or physically weaker than men. Uh, but I don't know what it is um, between the difference of people, ones who choose to be the victim and ones who choose to be choose not to be. I think there's power in both. There's much more power than in the the uh, realm of post-traumatic growth than there is just staying the victim. But there is power in being a victim. But it's not much, and it, it I think I don't maybe it's not power, but it makes you feel like you have power. Wait, what is the power in being the victim? Well, you get to hold on to your pain. It's it makes you an individual. It makes you special. It makes you feel entitled to. Uh, like, you know, this is mine and this is no one else's. If you ever talk to a, a combat veteran about his stress, he's like, yeah, but, you don't, you know, we don't know what we went through. It's like, okay, man, but, you know, it, I, I get it. I You know, as a civilian, you can't really say, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it's like to be over there. But um, but it's also a thing where it's like it just it just makes you feel so much more important. It just um now veterans now it's like, oh, you know, like Colin Kaepernick, he takes a knee. And then, you know, all the veterans get upset, like, oh, it's all my, my buddy died back home and everything like that. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's not the point of the knee, but it's I feel like it's that sort of pain that like makes you like sort of, you know, uh, you sort of grab onto your trauma and just hold on to it. Do you think it. there's anything admirable about taking that stance? About which stance? The idea that this pain is defining me or that this pain is giving me a... Absolutely not. Um, I no hell no, uh. But I understand it. I understand what it's done, what it's doing to the victim. Um, because they don't want to take the next step into growth. Um, can I read you a quote? Yeah. All right. So this is from my favorite author, who you've already heard me quote today. Yeah. All right. Reality is subjective, and there's an unenlightened tendency in this culture to regard something as important only if it's sober and severe. Sure and still, you're right about your cheerful dumb, only they're not so much happy as lobotomized. But your gloomy smart are just as ridiculous. When you're unhappy, you get to pay a lot of attention to yourself. And you get to take yourself oh so very seriously. You're truly happy people, which is to say, you're people who truly like themselves. They don't think about themselves very much. Your unhappy person resents it when you try to cheer him up because that means he has to stop dwelling on himself and start paying attention to the universe. Unhappiness is the ultimate form of self-indulgence. Yeah, it's dope. I definitely 100 <laughs> percent agree with that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And this is coming from. So we've spoken a lot between ourselves about in relation to the Me Too movement, because I think that makes it a little bit more emotionally convoluted. Of realizing that a lot of people take the PTSD route, where they are can't get past the trauma they experienced, and it's very unpopular to say. 
that there's another way to go about that because it sounds like you're sort of dismissing dismissing or even yeah. going as far as to blame the person for the way that they are now because they went through a traumatic experience yeah and <clears throat> it's hard to say and i think our culture today like well you know your actions are what you control and nothing else you can't control yeah. anybody else you can, can only control the way that you react to situations and then to say that to somebody who's been through a severe trauma can seem callous yeah um absolutely and just like we was talking about earlier uh there's better ways to communicate that than just saying just being straight up callous to someone because if you know they're not going to receive it so here is my reception of that in particular thing and this is something that i came to a retreat for um if i could have my whole month could have been summed up in this one story and I'll tell it to you. I don't really like saying it because I feel like I pay a lot of money just to hear this one thing. But it was so significant. And it sort of changed the way I thought about trauma. Like, it was a whole mental shift. It's a story of, uh, Master Ian told me. But I think it comes from uh, like Shaolin Kung Fu, uh, uh, Buddhism, something like that. So, I don't know if you guys ever heard it, but I'll tell it to you now. It was um, there's two monks. And they're walking down by the river. It's an older, much older monk and his apprentice. They're going down the river. And just so you know, uh, Buddhist monks, they're not allowed to touch women ever. That's not, you know, it's not a thing that they can do. Um, but they saw this old lady trying to cross this, like, like raging river with all her stuff. She had, you know, a bunch of groceries, whatever. And as she's standing there with all her bags, she's trying to do this on her own. Now, the older monk walks over to her. He tells you, he lets her know, I want to help you. He picks up all the bags. He puts the old lady on his shoulders and crosses this raging river, sets her down on the other side, comes back across soaking wet, and he, he tells his apprentice, all right, we're going to keep walking to where we got to go. So they keep walking, and after a few miles, it's probably they, they got a, a pretty ways up the river, and the apprentice, the whole time he's thinking, he's like, what did I just see? My master, the, who I know, is not allowed to touch women or, you know, break out of, you know, our traditions. He just picked up a woman and put her on his shoulders. Like, how could he? Like, I, I, he's questioning his whole his whole faith right now because his, his, this is his leader. This is someone that he looks up to and he just did something that's completely, you know, uh, taboo in their, uh, their society. Or even just straight up against the rules. So he's like, Master, I can't take another step with you until you tell me why you picked up that woman and took her across the river and brought her and and came back across he said the master turns to the apprentice he says i put that woman down five miles ago five miles ago and you're the one that's still carrying her you need to set her down too and that's the sort of the story with the trauma and the sort of post-traumatic stress is that, you know, you, you need to just set it down and, and move on. And as I thought it was real profound because people choose, I would say, to hold on to things when they could just let it set it down and continue on. Um, and I didn't know that you could choose it. That, I think that was the thing for me. Is I didn't know that was even a choice. I thought this is just what it is. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this kind of victim. It's not like that. It's up to you what you want to hold on to.
I'm really glad you said that. I think that's something that we also speak often about amongst ourselves is how the framing of a situation impacts your ability to do just that, like, or to frame it for yourself. So if you're told something is going to be traumatic, then your only course of action, the only reality yeah. you know is to take that action yeah. and say, this should fuck me up. Yeah. I should be, I should be messed up for this for life. Mm-hmm. And then the only inevitable outcome from that is to then be fucked up for life. Yeah. Which is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with, let's say someone gets their ass whooped, you know, the, from some time and it's, it's they've been holding on to this, you know, and then they come across someone who's been fighting their entire lives. Like, oh, I've got my ass whooped plenty of times. Like, that's just, just, you know, sort of, and you're like, oh man, that, that wasn't really maybe that as big a deal as I thought it would. And that one fight I've been in that I lost. This dude's been fucking beat so many times. Like, just, yeah, whatever. Just keep going. Um, I do. Yeah, I agree. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah, keep <laughs> yeah, and carry on. That's the, is that the answer to the call of the Me Too movement? <laughs> <laughs> See, but he, <laughs> no, but, but that, it, it does. Like, and the three, the three people that you mentioned before was. One just decides to just uh just say fuck it and I you know uh if that was just something I went through and it doesn't define me then there's the person that you know it, they might have took it more personally whatever so they just decided to work on themselves which is uh you know the post traumatic growth thing and then there's a the person that revels in it I think that story kind of works on like the first person uh, just like all right it doesn't define me just keep going just keep moving whatever that's uh, and. As you were defining the third, and I kind of forgot about the third of being like, it's just there's an event that happened rather than this is an event that happened. I can grow from it. I'm the third. You know, but like, my question is, which is a better way to be? Is it not better to say this is an event that happened and I can grow from it in this way? I mean, why do I have to experience trauma in order to go forward into self-growth? I mean, I'm not saying that I don't. Uh, well, I would say I that because trauma is inevitable and understanding that trauma is going to occur and understanding that there's potential growth to be had from it, I'd say the enlightened person would be able to derive value out of both scenarios. I think there's so much to be said even all for three. given social permission that you don't have to be traumatized by a thing. I mean, that yeah. it's something that even if you witness six other people going through the same shit and they all say, I'm really traumatized, and then you go through it, you're going to feel a major obligation to be traumatized and yeah. be a uh, part but of it. I will say the trauma definitely helps you empathize more, but that's about it. And what, that thing, you don't actually really don't need that, um, but it does help you. If you have already gone through what all these other people have gone through and you're trying to teach them how to get better... It's a it's a big thing that you've gone through it, but you don't have to. You don't have to have that trauma. Um, definitely not. That's one thing I learned later on in life is like all the shit that I've been through. It's been a pretty rough go, I guess. Generally speaking, for an American, um, I used to, I, was, I used to like have my pain on my chest, like oh I've been through this, I've been through that, and then I saw so many other successful people who've never been through like half the shit I've been through, and it, it didn't matter about my trauma. It just it didn't matter, like. Um, yeah, I don't think you have to go through things in order to, you know, help on a sp- specific situation or be successful in anything else. But it does help with the empathy. Well, that's, I guess, I guess maybe my question really lied in not defining trauma. 
Like you, you can experience pain and then not having trauma, which I might say is lingering residual pain that's unavoidable. So you can experience bad shit and be like, you know what? People are shitty sometimes and not internalize that as a trauma. Yeah. Which then yeah. I guess differentiates yeah. between the the two semi-positives. Of- I mean, I'm all for self-growth at every single opportunity with anything that life hands you, whether it's good or bad, to always be trying to get better and better and be the absolute best version of yourself. I'm saying that that there is, that there, in, especially, I mean, I can only really speak to the U.S. society, and especially in our woke <laughs> U.S. society, <laughs> that that I feel a lot of obligation that to any instance of pain or hardship that I've experienced, that to be, to fit in with my female friend group, that I'm supposed to be traumatized, and I'm supposed to think of my what's the word what's the opposite of victim <laughs> perpetrator is that the opposite <laughs> i don't know jesus christ <laughs> it's in a sense depending on how your your perspective on it. i mean i, I, would, yeah, I yeah. can't the think of the word. victim is the person who victimized yeah. sure yeah. The, yeah. that i'm supposed to think of a... them as evil and 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 to villainize them and to not look upon them with compassion and mercy and to do so makes me an outcast. But I'm, I think that, that it would be a lot easier to look at things as pain rather than trauma and to go more easily into self growth. If there wasn't a societal obligation to tear, to turn bad things into traumatic things. My thing. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but as far as trauma goes, I feel like you do, you, there's a level of you defining that. Like, there's, and there's the expectations of, oh, um, this dude just, uh, touched, touched my butt. And I don't know him. He just did it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Is this, I just been molested. Like, uh, and then, you know, uh, versus like, oh, uh, you know, do that again, motherfucker. Like, it's just, it, you know, how you think about it. Um, but I think there are things to be like, this was fucking traumatic. Like, it's, it was too much pain, the physical pain. There was too much emotional things going on at like real heightened thing for you to ever really like, uh, sort of get around it. Um, it was like, regardless of expectations, like, this was a thing that's gonna stick with me. And, uh, mostly because of the physical and, um, the emotional do you the think thing there's so it. you're saying there's like a limit to you know if something is traumatic enough that it can't be looked at as an event that it can't be looked at as not trauma trauma i mean there's i think just there's a level of you defining what was traumatic for you there is that the individual does get to say all right, that was fucking bad. I mean, it's bad because I don't have an arm anymore and I can, I get to say that that was bad and I don't need the society to agree with me. I don't have a fucking arm or, or like they're blind because of the, you know, a blast has exploded their eyes away. Like they do get to say that was bad and I have to, you know, now I have to come from this, but I, I think everything is, you know, generally balanced to where it's like, yes, there is a societal thing that says this is supposed to be bad. And then there's you that says, whether it's bad or not, um, but isn't it? If it's up to you to say whether it's bad or not, and you are accepting the principle that you can determine for yourself whether something was bad or not, and that should cause you 
continuous pain or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say that they're probably hand in hand. If you could say that it was bad, then it will cause you continuous pain, which then is trauma. Then if that's always our choice, is it ever an acceptable solution to what happened to you to say, this bad thing happened to me, I'm going to carry it with me any further than the moment that it happened? Um, there's always the, the level, and martial arts teaches you this as well as most other things that you do that's sort of dangerous. Um, there always there is the level of your control. There's always it, It's almost you can never get away from that because it's always you that's experiencing it. Um, there's always the thing of what I could have did better in the situation. And that's always going to be there. Um, whether if it's a lot, whether if it's like, that's like a 90%, or whether it's 10%, there was always something you could have did or how you choose to, you know, and then there's society and like, and what they say about the situation. Um, but just cause you have a say, I think that's the most powerful part. I think cause you have a say on what you carry on and what you don't carry on that is the part you should focus on because that's the part you can control. Whereas if you can't control society, at least not really, um, you can influence them, but that's on a bigger level, but you can always influence yourself and you can make something your choice. So I think if you can do that, then you should. So here's the crux of that sort of meritocratic that you own the way that you choose to respond to any situation. Absolutely. Then anybody who's been through even the most horrific losing an arm, genocidal you know incestual really fucked up beyond human comprehension shit they if if you believe that it is within their power to control then their reaction is their own and they have to own it and it's up to them to move past it and therefore I think that the logical extension of that, and feel free to correct me and disagree with me, is that it's on them for not moving past it. I agree. I agree. I agree. It's, it, there, has, there has to be a not, and that level. You're talking about power now. And you're talking like you have the power, and that's the thing about power and responsibility and everything like this. You have it. If you don't use it, or if you use it, that's sort of on you. It's you know what I mean. That's it's what it means to have a free will, at least. You know, the, you know the 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 level of it that we understand is yeah that's what it means is you have that power you have that free will to decide where you go and at some minuscule level it, it is up to you um and then how you come about that the doctors you see the places you go to sort of that's all on you i i believe anything as far as for me like i have to believe it because if it, if i didn't then i'd just be the same fucking victim that i was in the past like so how do you think most people would react to a statement like that oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine saying that in certain crowds and the reaction would which be which crowds i honestly the, uh, feel like the more woke somebody claims to be the yeah. the more they don't want to accept responsibility. Yeah, they don't. Well, I mean, as far as the reaction, th- there's a certain level of I don't give a fuck. Like that's that's the thing is like, listen, I'm saying this to you. I'm giving this energy to you because I kind of care about you when you go off into the world. And I kind of want you to be better, and this is the way that I got better. So that's how I'm gonna give it to you. There's that level of it, and if you don't accept it, it's like, well, then I kind of don't give a fuck because I only I just gave you what I could, and that's it. Um, I can't tell you about another way to get better because that's not the way that I took. Um, 
And if you feel some sort of bad way about it, then that's how you feel. I can't like I can't control that. I can only control me. So I just giving you what I think you could have helped you. And if it doesn't, um, there's it's a little different if you build a business on it though, because then you do have to give a fuck about what other people think because that's how you're getting your money. So anything being like a life coach, life coach, or someone in Master Ian's uh, position where he helps a lot of people, he you sort of have to be more mindful about what he says. And then you know, there's always the thing was like. I did what I could, and I did what I could my way. So if if that didn't help you, then good luck with the rest of your life because that's all I got. I just can't imagine going up with somebody that I know experienced trauma that I've never been through and being like, yeah, but you don't have to continue to feel this way. Yeah. You know, I can't like, imagine going to somebody who's experienced trauma that I have been through and say you don't have to continue to to it's whatever you just said. <laughs> yeah, well, to me, like this is what like the whole Project Hammer thing is like. Uh, if someone can you give else us was, a brief synopsis of what this yeah, okay, no, thing you keep alluding to is. Like, going to that, yeah, uh, no, Project Hammer is something. Uh, so I had PTSD. I think I, well, I still do because. Uh, and, you know, depression, anxiety, and stuff. Sort of what gravitated me towards kung fu because I actually like to fight, um, do like boxing and shit like that back home, street fighting. But uh, the kung fu has the meditative and the qigong side of it. So I'm like, oh, this might fit me. And I think it's, uh, I think it's very good at uh, addressing those issues. Um, versus like learning how to fight, but then also controlling yourself with meditation. Oxygenating, oxygenating your blood through uh, the Qigong and gaining Qi and everything like that. Um, I think it's a perfect thing to deal with PTSD, depression, anxiety. So I think other veterans could benefit from it. Um, if you go to psychiatrists in the States, they'll literally tell you, or mine told me, to uh, do mindfulness meditation. We, I did that a few times with her. She, she told me to do yoga because yoga is so great for, uh, you know, for that. And I, I think she's right about the yoga. I never tried it. But I was like, no, oh, that's kind of gay, man. I don't think I want to do yoga. It seems like that's more of a, of a woman thing. And I'm just, I don't want to. Um, but I, the benefit of it, I can get that. Um, meditation is already a little bit too much for me. The yoga, I'm just probably not going to do it, even though it can work. But you tell that to another veteran who's been, like, you know, fighting all her life. And, and if you tell them, like, well, kung fu can actually give you the same thing that yoga can, uh, they're like, well then, let's try that. Let's definitely do that instead of yoga. So I think it's just, it's just more digestible. That's all it is. I don't think I personally don't think like yoga is all that gay, but it's just I didn't really want to be seen doing it, and uh, and I think it can help you. But uh, you know, um, but the kung fu is just it's more digestible for a warrior that's been overseas, and uh, I think you know it's better. So that's what Project Camera is. It's uh, getting more vets aware of Shaolin kung fu, and then actually financially helping them uh pay for it like so we're building a non-profit we get money from a bunch of people and that will shaolin kung fu specifically shaolin kung fu yeah i will the, the retreat i i hate to put it all on the retreat but um to really i think hill you need to get in the habit of doing the exercise not just learn it and then have that you know have go back into the world like you need to do it for a solid 30 days and then go back into the world now you have some real tools on, on to help work on yourself or, or if you want to do what i did and just become an instructor and then teach people that now you have to actually get better now um mm -hmm. and then teach people this is uh, that's also part of the rehabilitation process is this government funded 
No, but I kind of want it to be. Uh, that's over for right now. It's just like the nonprofit thing and people's donations and stuff. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so that's basically what Project Hammer is. Um, is this like? Does this have a website? Does this have a go donate uh, button or anything <laughs> that you want to promote? Uh, it actually does have like a website, but the website's like in. It's it's being made right now. One of the other instructors at the retreat, Leafa, he's making it. He's doing a pretty solid job at it. It has a GoFundMe page, like the you know, the GoFundMe slash Project Hammer. You can just give funds there, and um, all the funds are still in the bank account right now. They haven't been used yet. Uh, can you spell this project? Project Hammer. H a m m e r. Yeah, H a m m e r. We'll put the links at the bottom. Yeah, uh, yeah, inevitable yeah, yeah. website. It's, you know, this go, isn't going to be released for a month or two. Yeah, so. it's, it's the GoFundMe slash Project Hammer. And I mean, you can give donations at that particular site until we get the other one like legitimately, uh, legitimate, uh, up and running and have like the business accounts and everything like that. We're still in the legal process of getting everything going. And because um, it's going to be American based uh, nonprofit. And then, you know, we'll be sort of operating on Thailand. But, uh, you know, so that's kind of where we're at. Right now, it's we'll still... be based out of our our um, kung fu retreat. Uh, essentially, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I would like it to be, but it, I don't. Generally speaking, is this your baby? Like your yeah, it child? is mine. It okay. is it is mine in particular. And then you know, Master Ian is he's sort of overseeing it too. Um. Where if I would be the CEO, he'd be, like, the chairman, sort of, like, overseeing the whole thing. And I'm doing, like, you know, most of the work because I have all the connections with veterans and stuff and the VA back home. Yeah. And, and you know, Wounded Warrior Project and all the VFW, the other groups I'm a part of. So I have those connections. And and I'm the one that really definitely ca- – he cares about uh, his thing for Kung Fu is being um, the mind. Like, he, he's more interested in the mind and how Kung Fu affects the mind. And psychology and everything like that. Um, whereas I'm interested in that, but how it, it can help veterans. So that's, uh, he's definitely the right man for the job as far as overseeing the stuff. And then me as a veteran, just making all these connections with them and being the person that's gone through the same trauma as them and saying, yes, I can empathize with you. And here's what's worked for me. Uh, you know, I think it can work out like that. I think so. That's awesome. It is. It really is. I think those the mindfulness and the, everything goes hand in hand. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. It is. It has a nice mix of heart. Kung Fu has a nice mix of heart and soul. And really thinking about yourself. And mind and body. Yeah, the mind, body, and, you know, yeah. It, it just addresses so much of the stuff that we went through. I think uh, I, was talking, I was talking to Freya the other day, and she said something about weapons and uh maintenance of weapons but she related it to being a veteran and i was like yeah that sounds good it, it, it's um if you have a weapon as a veteran like a m4 or something or nine millimeter or a grenade launcher or whatever it is your maintenance of that weapon is everything and it's up to you to do it you have to you if, if your weapon's full of dirt and it's full of sand and everything and you shoot it and it doesn't work well that's your fault because you didn't maintain it it's not well you're supposed to clean it every day supposed to make sure all any maintenance that it needs if it needs like sort of higher level thing then you get it um i think i dumped dirt in my first rifle ever and i had to get it rebuilt like i completely fucked that one up and uh she but the thing what she was saying and also with the uh what i was thinking is like uh the veterans 
we we are weapons. Like you know, we are the government made us to these weapons. We go, we take over countries, and you know, we fight. And but we still have to maintain it. Like you still have to do the cleaning every day. You still, and that's what I think the Shaolin Kung Fu is is that maintenance of that weapon will never not be that anymore. Especially the ones who deployed will never. Like that's just we'll always have that little bit of us that identifies even um your homeboy over here uh who was in the military it's like we'll st- me and him will always have the thing where we can always like identify with each other because of the experiences that we went through um and uh that will never go away because it's a part of you it's a whole few years of your life and it was probably I, I think it's a beautiful analogy even going back to like the like traumatic experiences like you know you're your body and your mind in particular with the tra- trauma is is a machine that needs to be yeah, taken care exactly. of exactly if you're not taking body, care yeah, of it yeah. you're the one not taking care of it like exactly and unfortunately nobody else can really do that for you you have to do it you have to make yeah. the choices that are gonna not put your rifle on dirt exactly. <laughs> being exactly. a big one unfortunately, yeah Ian says the same thing unfortunately I can't do this exercise for you. Unfortunately, I cannot. If I could, you'd be all Kung Fu masters, but I can't do this for you. You have to do this on yourself, by yourself, train by yourself. And then I can always, you know, give you tips on how to perfect your stuff, but you have to do the work. And I believe it. I gotta say, I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised you don't practice yoga because I gotta say, you are like <laughs> inspirational. I'm over there like fucking, I can't stretch worth shit. And I'm looking um, at you, and I'm looking at, at Master Ian. <laughs> Master Ian, yeah. I'm yeah. like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a different level. He's, yeah, he's, he's like, he's older, definitely like, a next but level. Like, I mean, like, you look at our, our body types, I'm like, I should be more flexible than this motherfucker. <laughs> and like, I was like, you know, yeah. that was a rude awakening. Like, shit, I should yeah, probably start yeah. doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the other thing, like, with training, and there's the social aspect of the retreat in general. Is that not, you're not just going there as a solo person. You're going there with other people who might not have been in the military, but they might be damaged for some reason or another, and they come there for the same reason to get better. And um, kung fu is definitely a motivation. You just you just want to get good at the kung fu, let alone the other benefits that it has. And um, for someone else who's super flexible, and you look over, and you're like, God damn, she's touching the ground. How, like how? And he's like, you know what? I want to touch the ground. Just not for any other reason, not for my trauma. Just like, I want to be slightly better than her or him. <laughs> it's usually the hers who are just super flexible. They can do so much shit. Um, but uh, yeah, like it, it, it's a thing where it's like, I want to be not so much better than them, but I want to be on that level. That I want to be like, you know what I mean? And the retreat has that. It's so many people there that just want to be better. And that attitude is definitely infectious. Definitely. Uh, which is a good thing, I think, generally speaking. Um, yeah. If I hung out with a bunch of people that wanted to do stupid shit, I might follow that. Uh, and I'll just be doing stupid stuff with them. But at the retreat, everyone wants to, you know, be better, be better people, be better kung fu martial artists, better instructors, uh, whatever it is, better meditators, better fighters. And uh, Have you heard this uh, thing where like, you are the... Some. Culm- yeah, the, the culmination of the the five people whom you cl- most closely associate with. Yeah. So if yeah. you associate with people beneath you, you're gonna wind up falling yeah. right down there exactly. with them. Imagine if one of those one people was Master Ian, like and like, and then you get to take that away. And all his you know thirty some odd years of, of teaching, thirty eight maybe. He's done movies, done documentaries, he's done world championships, all this stuff. Like he's like world renowned in the field of of, of kung fu, and it's just like. 
oh, I can, he gets to be one of my people, like, uh, one of those five people that you say, uh, that's, that's, like, I don't know, that's resonates. I mean, I could feel that from the week that we spent there. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. the, the atmosphere, the vibe, the people that it, that he attracts is yeah, top notch. Exactly. exactly, man. Yeah, and it, yeah, I agree. I agree. So you said you you fought a lot from a young age. Mm-hmm. I I I have a, you know one of my one of my group of friends you know they they go out to the bars they fight. Yeah, it's something that I've I've been in maybe two fights in my life. Yeah, maybe three depending on how you qualify yeah. a fight. <laughs> like you know only one of them could I really understand. Like you know it was like it was like six of us versus like a whole school and and we won. And it was like and I never I never like. <laughs> I was smoking a cigarette. This girl asked for a drag of my cigarette, a drag. She walked off with it, and I was like, "Yo, like, oh, she I, walked over your cigarette. Can I have my cigarette back? Like, and yeah. I wasn't rude. I wasn't mean. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. And her boyfriend came up, was like, yeah. and I was like, "Yo," and then my one friend was just like, "Oh no, no," <laughs> and just came up. So we all started fighting, and like it turned out that they were we were in a parking lot of a concert, and it was like a whole school worth of people that all knew one another, and then like six of us. So it was just an all-out brawl. And I never really understood why people enjoyed fighting until after that, where all after of us were virtually unscathed, all in like the other corner yes. of the parking lot. Like the cops came, we all ran. We're like, "You good? You good? We're all good." Shit. Yeah. And I got this moment of like ecstasy, like, "Yo, yes, that was dope as shit." Like, yeah, yo, I couldn't. And those people, you meet so many people in your life, but you'll never forget those other five people that you was with that day. And they jumped in, and we weren't even that like we were close, like you know, but like yeah. they they weren't in my immediate group of friends. But they yeah. were like they saw a situation, they jumped in. I will forever hold yeah, it in high that... esteem because they they looked out when they didn't have to. They didn't have no like. And I was like, I, I, I kind of get it now. Yeah. But that mentality has always kind of eluded me. Like, and then, like, you know, we grew up, and I still had friends that would go out to the bars. They would fight, and that, yeah, we would meet back up. We were already kind of drifting apart at that point, and they would always tell me these stories. And I'm like, I can't go out to the bars with you guys. Like, yeah. That's not, that yeah. doesn't sound like a fun evening to me. Like, <laughs> and, you know, that, that's as close as, as I can come to understanding that mentality. Oh, like, I mean, so if you can explain it, it, like... I mean, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, and I will say, like, definitely going out and fighting uh, is... Um, I don't like to do it, but it happens. And, I, and it's like, oh, I get to do this again. Like, you know what I mean? But but the fighting in the streets was more of, like, sort of what I did. And, yeah, you, I mean, you definitely get all that feeling. I think it's, it, it, you know, going back to the old monkey brain that we have you get a group of people and fighting on one side it's it's sort of a primal you know i I gotta say i mean i was shocked how much i could understand i was like i get why like you know after like you watch like game of thrones or something oh yeah yeah yeah. oh my god like i get why people like pick up swords and go fight one another i'm like yeah "Yeah, that that is a rush like no other i mean yeah 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 but it's just in our in our new society even masina would say it's just like you can't just go around fighting people like that's that's not what it is anymore. Um, it's not like even you mentioned Game of Thrones and how long ago that was. It's like that's not, it's not a part of society anymore. Like everything is just call the cops. He's he's out of control. Come get him or whatever. Uh, I mean people will still attack you, but you know there's people who've lived, you know, forty five, fifty years have never gotten a fight in their entire lives, and they probably won't ever. 
And so you think about it like, damn, did I really have to do all those fights? Or I could have just been like this person and never done anything ever, like done any of that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I get it. And I do. There is a part of me that just loves to fight. Um, but then I also understand, like, this isn't the society for it. This isn't uh that's, this I mean, isn't this is something I've tried to understand, you know, like, because I've also never really felt like I got, like, chumped too bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I never had to really defend myself in a way, like, yo, like, you're fucking with me too much right now, and I need you to stop, and to have the only recourse really be to throw a punch. You know, I was I was fortunate enough to be fairly attractive, to be, so people never really fucked with me that much. And I, like, I can't imagine... I can't imagine being in that situation where feeling like you need somebody to shut the fuck up and stop picking on you and not being able to do shit about it. Like that element yeah. of lack of control. I think if I experienced that in a more real way, I would have, I would have been more into martial arts because I, I, yeah. I can't imagine. It's the same reason why I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to join the military is because like if somebody tells me to do something and I don't want to do it, like yeah. I can't be like okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, even though I was in the military, it was still like a level of like respect in there. It was like, even though they would tell me what to do and I'd do it, it still wouldn't be like, "Look, motherfucker, you better go do this, or I'm gonna like, I'm gonna kick your ass or whatever." It's, it's just like, all right, go do it because you know this is your job. So, and then I'm like, okay, fine, yeah, this is my job. I'm not gonna. I've even when even when I've been yelled out or chewed out, like it's still like. I know we're just going through the motions of this, and I never took anything personally. So you just you ever being a frat? Huh? There's another thing. I could never be in a frat because like, I don't think that I could hazing be in a frat. thing. I don't I, think like, I, I, no, I, I like I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> but it, if you, if you ever like join a gang, or whatever, there's a level of hazing that they do need to see what the fuck you're working with, and there is gonna be some sort of initial thing. And the military, they don't necessarily have hazing, but basic training is a little bit of it. They need to see what you're working with. Uh, some people don't make it to basic. They'll just wash out, and then they never get any further, um, which is fine because the military doesn't need those kinds of people, which makes it a good organization to just wash people out who won't be able to fit within the military or their specific job that they're going for. Um, but uh, I forgot I was going to say this. Okay. <laughs> it's we got a little background music today. <laughs> What, 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 did you, what did you say before that? What was your question? It's more like I, I, I find it, and I'm sure that the, the stories that I've heard about, like military hazing, if you want to call it that, have yeah. been probably exaggerated at, at no, least. No, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not all. It's not like that. But it's, it's. They they do need to break you down and build you back up. Um, you sort of get rid of your culture that you grew up in, and now you have to accept this. Yeah, new I feel one. like that's such a dangerous thing to go through like people people are all too often too susceptible to being broken down and built back up the way that you want it i mean commercials do it to people like that's not that's like commercials will break you down and build you back up to this is how you should be yeah you know this this is this is a picture of a perfect person that you are not now buy this shit to make you that person like and then to have it be so real as to be like what i imagine having no military experience whatsoever that process to be like, like I don't trust my government. I don't trust anyone to do that to me. Like, it's hard for me to understand how somebody would willingly 
undergo that? Um, well, if you take someone from a, I mean, there's multiple reasons why people join anything. Uh, and if you sort of hit on one of those reasons, then they'll sort of join you. Like, so if like if you don't have money, like, oh, the military can pay for something, pay for a new car or a college or something like that. And then if they touch, if they strike that chord within you, like, okay, yeah, that's where I want to be. So I'll join. Why did uh, you join? I don't know, man. I've, I think there's a bunch of different reasons. And I think there was always a part of me that wanted to do it. Like, there was always a part of me that was just like, yeah, I want to join. And then once the opportunity sort of came up, and I was like, yeah, this is what I've been looking for. So I always wanted to be, like, a special agent. And that was always my thing, well before the military. And I, like, doing law enforcement and stuff like that, like, sort of find out that, you know, being a, a military person or a, a police officer or something like that, um, that's a foot in the door on the way to being a special agent. Um, so I always looked at the military as that. Like, this is a stepping stone. Jump out into, uh, yeah, yeah. Out into where I, where I want to be and just out into the normal world. Like, because regardless of whatever else I did in the world, I can always say that I have the military sort of to back me up, even if I'm not in it. And I well, and it was exactly that. That's exactly my experience. And that's with everything I just said. I was I was kind of like irritated that I I know that my personality would just not work with that, but also knowing that I probably would have done a lot better with the structure and the discipline that would have came with that type yeah. of training, that type of environment, and yeah. me being like, why the fuck couldn't there be like something more up my alley? Like you know, yeah. they're like, yo, like the government will pay you pay for college if you come and learn how to like build houses for the poor. I've been like, yo, that's yeah sold i'm, I'm down yeah. there. you know the thing is it's like when you look at these big organizations including governments including your own government um one in america or the military or it's like whatever this organization is what can it do for me what can i get out of it and if it's if that's right up your alley then go towards that organization because it's technically much more powerful than you and if you can get something out of it then then go ahead like if, if do you think that's how people usually, like the the average person that goes into Marines, for instance, thinks about it? I don't know. I can't. Uh, I don't know. I, I to be honest, I, I really don't know. Uh, like the other that's people funny. I've talked to I don't really know too much of their motivations of joining. Um, it didn't really matter at that point. It's like you're already here. We're already doing this, so we'll do it. But uh, yeah, for me, that's how I look at organizations, including political ones or just my own government. It's like, well, what can I get out of being an American citizen? You know, and there's a lot of benefits to it. So I'm still an American citizen. I'm not going to give up my citizenship. But that might that might be yeah, different if I was from another country or something. I'm like, yeah, let's get rid of this, you know, Moldovian <laughs> uh, passport that I have. And I'll switch it to an American one. I might think differently if I was from somewhere else. But How do you uh, feel about... Yeah, you're still actively kind of working for the DOD? Uh, contracting. So it's not that active, but I could just be, I could be on another contract, you know, tomorrow. So does there's always that. working for, or does having Trump be the president influence the way that you feel about that at all? No. Uh, it's just, it doesn't really matter. It, it Like, it didn't matter if Obama was the president. It didn't matter. It's like not Bush, related? Bush was, well, my country is my country. It's not going to. Like I don't. I don't look at it as I work for Trump. I work yeah. for the people in Providence, Rhode Island, for my family and everything like that. Like it, that, it, that's it. Doesn't change. Like you know what I mean? Um, yeah. What does patriotism mean to you? 
oh, that's just something the government has to feed to you to uh, in order for you to get on board with certain shit. That that's yeah. But you're sitting here saying you know you're working my for my country. Uh huh. Yeah, you're doing this because you know. I do not see myself as a patriot. I don't know, like just flag flying. I do wear flags on my shirts from time, but it's not because I believe in patriotism. It's just like this is my country, and at one time I played for the team. So it's, <laughs> but it's not like the whole patriotism. Like it, patriotism is a thing that the government does put. Like I would say, like political science was my major, so it is a tool that the government uses in order to get the people more in line with their um, ideas. Do you think patriotism is a good or bad thing? Uh, nothing is inherently just good or bad. It's just I feel like things are what they are. Like I said, it's you can't look at a hammer and say, is it good or bad? I could take a hammer, and I could take a baby, and I could crush its skull. And you could <laughs> always think of this hammer as being bad, or I could take the same hammer and build a house. So is the hammer bad? It's just the fucking tool, and it's, it's just like patriotism. Like You can use it. Yes, to get everyone on one page and be fired up to defend them, their selves and their land because there's an actual en- enemy coming to take their shit. Well, that might be a good thing, but patriotism in, in the face of like oppression, like the Kaepernick thing, where it's like you know black people getting beat up, but then they use patriotism as like a weapon against it. It's like, well, that I would probably look at it as a bad thing because I am one of those other people that get fucked up by the cops. So. Be fair it's, to kind of sum it up as like patriotism is a tool and then how it's yes, used yes. determines what But it's most things are like that. Most there's good and bad to just about every other thing. But as far as being a political science person, I would definitely say it's a tool. What is the most unrealistic thing you believe in? Unrealistic? Yeah. Maybe uh I think these things are maybe debatable. So I can I'll just go with that. Is um competition and qigong and they're not related but i think those are things i believe in that someone could probably sway me to the other side if the argument was good enough um interesting elaborate elaborate on competition um well so i've been to war a few times and i've fought a lot and that's sort of i think made me a better person but that's literally through competition but if you look at like if you, ever, you know study like biology and see like how these creatures uh, would compete for all these resources, whether it be, you know, five miles beneath, you know, the ocean or on top of the surface, everyone's competing for some sort of resource. And everyone meaning like cellular organisms. And then these cellular organisms became multicellular organisms, became animals, became fauna, uh, plants. And they still, the thing, everyone's still fighting everything. Like everyone thinks it's beautiful to like let an animal out into the wild, but he's like, you're putting him back into the fight. Like he's, he's going to die now from some creature eating his flesh. Like that's, that's his eventuality regardless of anything else. And, uh, you know, uh, everything fights and, and it's the same with countries. It's the same with groups. Everything fights and competition breeds better things. It breeds better. So, (laughs) Um, you know, I think I think that's there's fallacies in that argument. Like, just because yeah. nature does it, for instance, is like a terrible argument. Like, oh, just because nature does it doesn't mean that we should do it. It's like, not we, we should; yeah. it's that we do because we're a part of nature. We're not or even that it's inevitable. It. Like, so my idea of competition, especially when I'm feeling my more extremist kind of yeah flow going on, is I think the competition is inherently bad. That. To the to the extreme that which I think even sports are a negative force on our society, at least the way that they're played now, 
where like we shouldn't be teaching kids to engage in that type of competition. Rather, we should be fostering cooperation of how can we overcome this challenge so it doesn't become, you know, because sports, they teach discipline, they teach teamwork, and those are all like really great things to learn as a child or as an adult. But Physical and mental toughness. I think that there's a far better way to go about it, and that would be like, you know, instead of the game being football as a six-year-old or a ten-year-old and get concussions and all the horrible things that come with it, I'm a little biased. I don't, <laughs> I'm a big sports guy. Um, you know, if they were like, well, how do you get over this wall? You know, here's a bunch of fucking timber and maybe some nails and a hammer. Make it work. Here's an obstacle that you'll you'll overcome if you all work together. Seems like a lot better way to teach every single benefit that you could possibly think of that. Uh, competitive sports has to teach yeah but then okay so what if say you're saying about like an obstacle as like a physical thing in the environment but what if that physical thing is the kim and rouge like then how do you combat that what is the thing when it's is it's an actual group of people instead of just like a physical obstacle or just any other thing that's not a person the same principles that you learn through cooperation will still hold true you're trying really to the kim rouge you think like like, i'm actually not familiar would you mind oh okay well i'll switch it to uh because we're in southeast stage i just use that one but we'll just do the whole i don't like using hitler but the whole hitler and jew thing it's like well which i think the cooperation is definitely a very powerful thing don't get me wrong um i do i do think the world is not there yet and I try to accept the world for what it is instead of for what it should be. But, um, you know, what, what should have these other groups that have been eradicated throughout history, what should have they done? Should they try to cooperate or should they just, you well, know? Uh, you know, and, and the Holocaust does break down a lot of my more idealistic philosophies of like, you know, I'd like to consider myself a pacifist, except in the instance of World War II, where you're talking about the mass genocide or annihilation of a particular way of life that doesn't coincide yeah. yeah with you i mean then, you know, yeah. then, then it's like yeah you gotta jump in but i think that teaching kids cooperation and not competition i think that what that would lead to is the first action of them being well let's try to negotiate and then when that fails which it may inevitably fail and which it will inevitably fail you still have those principles of cooperation to fall back on so you have a a a population that's able to mobilize in a cooperative fashion which we did in World War Two, you know, we had we had the mass mobilization of an entire economy system built upon something completely else that then turned to building tanks, weapons, and and it was through cooperation, not really necessarily like the values that you learn through comp- competition. It was the cooperation aspect of that competition that inevitably allowed yeah. us to succeed. Yeah, like a group of people working together to defend himself with another group of yeah. people and people like, like when i say that i'm like i'm not really pro sports you know they really put pro sports teach kids a lot of great things like you know how to work in a team I, you hear the same things over and again like but you can learn how to work in a team without it being a competitive and like that competitive nature of i need to do better than somebody else i feel like leads down a pathway of this is what makes me better than other people it's it's an insidious sort of idea that gets implanted in our minds at a very young age that becomes the basis for all horrible things that are to come. Um maybe. I I, I, I get what you're saying, but it's just it's just the reality is that uh all these other cultures are not you know that aren't really Western. 
they're just they're not there yet. Like you know, you still have like communist regime. You still have. Well, why does like, that matter? The, why wouldn't we be able? Because to we be eventually the have to. We are in the forefront. Like the West is right now. We're in the forefront, and we get to we get to come to Thailand and tell them how they treat elephants is a bad thing. We get to do that because yeah, but we also simultaneously do that from a capitalist society, which is benefiting from our exchange rate that we've yeah. manipulated into being pretty damn good, so that we can come in here and stay yeah. at a hostel for five dollars a night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think we are still, you know, regardless if it's like good or bad, we we still are in the forefront as far as like morality and stuff. And uh, we do control a lot. And so I, I think that's more of a positive thing. But there's still... All What's more of a positive thing? Um, that we control a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, <laughs> I I think more... I think morally, I think if the West kind of... And I, I'm talking about the people just in general. They do want better for the everyone else generally speaking not the, the people not the governments um you think if you went around to just about 90 probably 99 percent of the people in the world and you said do you want better for everyone they would say no i only want better for myself and my, me I, and I feel like they want would want better for everyone else but it would they wouldn't put too much energy into it but i think generally you think that we put energy into it yeah yeah you know, I've I, I, I've how, never so? I've never seen Thai people put, in America like uh, saying. Well, that's you because guys that's treat the, each other but better. There's, there's, I would say that there's reasons for that. You know, I th- yeah. I'd say that we've orchestrated it to appear that way, especially coming from a Western perspective. Of uh, we're taught from a very young age that we go out and we we fight for freedom across the world. We do all this great humanitarian stuff, and some of that is true. I don't mean to diminish that. However, when you really look at the reality of the situation, what we're in fact doing is. We're going around, we're destabilizing governments, we're making it so economical standards in other countries are unmanageable, and then we come in there and we buy up everything and then make a profit off of it. So that turns into profit for us, while they become more driven into poverty so that they're cheaper labor, while we simultaneously, like, I mean, it's this perpetual system that we get to turn around and say, because we are competitively driven and capitalistically driven mm-hmm. that we have this moral right because we have the privilege of not having to worry about where our next meal comes from that is that is right we it's not i don't like i said i don't really believe in like the whole good or bad thing it's just who's on top and they get to say what's good or bad but like, but isn't that whole philosophy of who's on top driven by this attitude that's instilled to us by competition you need to be on top in order to be anywhere to Otherwise, be, yeah, to say, yeah. fear-driven. If you're not yeah. on top, you're gonna Just be, nothing. you're gonna be like we made South America. Yeah, like that seems kind of problematic, and inevitably, who's on top kind of comes on bottom, and it'd probably be in our best interest to stop that little wheel from turning. Maybe, and I agree with that, but that's not the situation that we're in in 2018, or it's not going to be a situation in 2019. So I, that's, I agree with you. So, I think, so I think that, also, I'll give you that point. I mean, time is a crucial factor. Like, yeah. where we are at as a global society does dictate the leniency you can have at certain points. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would agree with, like, uh, as far as all my experience in training, I would love for everyone to just sort of just be better because for better sake and help each other and everything like that. It's just not like that. So, because it's not, that's why... It's half the reason why I do Kung Fu. It's half the reason I do martial arts is just continually be better. Um, 
because it is a competitive world and that that's what it is right now and it's you know and i'm not going to change that anytime soon so i mean i can help the people who i can because you should um because it's just healthy for you to you know sort of help people that's a part of your overall health just as well as this is like eating right and exercise and everything like that so you should help people and everything but um it still is a competitive world and that's just that's what it is. Uh, reality. Yeah, it's like waking up and re- and reading the rules, and then. Don't you don't think know. you can change that reality though? Do you think that's possible? Yes. Like, yes, absolutely. That's how it comes from you change. Start by so. not teaching kids sports. No, <laughs> no, be, I would teach facetious. kids martial arts. I would. Doubt, it. it would but be literally that, compa- I mean, like competition. That, you know, it would literally be all right. This is how you disable someone. All right, and then this is how Master Ian actually believes more. He said this at the But end. even the spirit of that is different. Like, you can look at that as a competition, right? What's you can that? look at that as, like, you, like martial arts in any form. Mm-hmm. Like, you can look at that as, like, this is how you can defeat your opponent. This is That's the essence of competition in martial arts. That or is. you can look at it like, this is how you can learn how to defend the person next to you from injustice. Yeah, which that's I think one is, of the cores of Nam Young. You know, that, defend, seem, yeah. that seems like, you know, but... There's there are but dramatic are differences in the implications to, of those. You still and that's that's the core of, of I think most martial arts, but there's something deeper is that you defeating the other person. Now for what for is usually um I don't know, probably to protect someone else, generally yeah, I'll speaking. I'll say no, if you never if you never heard it if it was never phrased that this is about defeating somebody else, about conquering somebody else, then that idea would never even enter your mind that whole concept of yeah but the feeling that feeling that you had though the feeling that you had after you guys won but out I'm of beating i'm also a byproduct whole... of my society yes yes we all are yeah. you know i'm saying we can change society to not have that even be something admirable um but that feeling that emotion you got after you fought all those people and like i don't think nothing can change that unless you genetically change that like that is an inborn thing. Like I said, it's that old monkey brain. It's just like you didn't need anyone to tell you that you're gonna feel good after that fight. It's just you just did because you did something solid and you came out unscathed. And it's like, god damn, you didn't you didn't need explaining for that. It just sort of happened. And I, to get out of that, you'd have to change. I think someone almost literally at that genetic fucking level because you didn't have any sort of thing before that. Like you know what I mean? And I felt that feeling. I know what you're talking about, but think it's in there already i mean i would say that it was put there i don't yeah i think that our brains are very malleable like we yes the reality yeah. that we've been taught is you know one that you should feel pretty fucking good after you defeat a whole army of invaders like that is something i watched movies yeah. way before that fight and that is a common theme like yeah. i don't think i would have experienced the same joy the same emotion had i not been taught that previously Okay, I I can see I can see and I don't, I, I can see uh, that point. I don't really have much to it because that is reality. Um, I grew up on Power Rangers. All they did was fight, and all they all they did. Uh, and I do have the thing of like fighting. Um, I think, but this I think that it it could. I still think it's still quite sort of inborn with us. But our brains are malleable. It is that is a very true thing. Um, do you feel like it's all equally inborn with females? What you, say what? Do you feel like that's equally inborn with females? Hell yeah, of course. There wouldn't be no Me Too movement if they didn't feel <laughs> some sort of empowerment from. Hell, of course it is. From, from I don't know about which fight? how I don't know about the level of it because uh, maybe that has actually more to do with testosterone 
females have testosterone, but generally not as much as us. But. That's, uh, I was uh, in like behavioral economics, and one of the things that they were talking about with uh, a practical application of a testosterone was that it makes us crave us being men or anyone, women too, uh, crave retribution more so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see a injustice occurring. We want to we want to intervene. And if for the for the pure sake of retribution, which makes us more willing to give up something of ourselves as a sacrifice to stopping injustice, which kind of explains the U.S. judicial system, us being a country run by men, whereas we will pay astronomical sums of money that just go to waste in our society to punish people yeah. rather than trying to help those same people become better individuals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was a very interesting, like real world application of what hormones and testosterone does. Of, yeah, estrogen is like more of a nurturing chemical. We want to see, whereas testosterone, we are driven to see somebody who hurts somebody else be punished for that. I thought mm-hmm. that was fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's in all the movies that we're watching now, especially the Marvel ones. It's uh, to see the 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 villain do some terrible shit, and our heroes of you know fucking. You know, demolish him in the end. Uh, that's that's. I mean, that's what we came we came up on. Uh, if there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be? It'd be um, to get past. Uh, you know, the whole fight or flight thing. So it almost it almost is testosterone. So probably more chi kung and meditation. I think that would be definitely I'd sort of hide it under the guise of martial arts because <laughs> that's the probably the way a lot of people digest it, but yeah, Makes it more just, palatable. I, yeah, yeah, but I definitely think like more meditation which definitely gets rid of that animal brain and gets you into more of a sense like a um so sort of prefrontal cortex thinking, that higher thinking. And meditation can do it and so can chi kung. So I don't think there's anything bad in doing either one of those things. I don't really at all. Uh, someone could make an argument otherwise, but I think Qi Kung meditation could definitely I make. I can't everyone... imagine what that argument would be. Yeah, I know yeah. me neither, but yeah. you know, there's always something. Fair enough. What is the most annoying thing about people? Oh shit! Uh, I guess that would be a personal thing. Um, yeah. This is a question only for you. Yeah. What do you find to be the most annoying thing about people? They won't leave me the fuck alone. I mean, that's, just, I think that's annoying to me. It's just like, leave me the fuck alone. Jesus Christ. Like, they just want to just, I don't know. But like I said, that's a very personal thing. I don't think that's a general thing for all, you know, seven point, probably eight point something billion people in the world. They just want to bother me. But that's the annoying thing for me. Is just, uh, Would you consider yourself more introverted or extroverted? Uh, I, that might be a, uh, what do you say? I don't, I don't know. When something flows between one point to yeah. another, uh, I think I'm more introverted, but that I wasn't always like that. So I don't know. Like, cause I was definitely way more outgoing back then. And then after a few wars and tours and, you know, fights, it just, just, ah, oh, okay. I just sort of pushed me more inside. So. I don't know. Maybe I could be more actually read it later on in the future, but I'm just, I'm not really that. Even the whole project camera with like my face on the front lines, like that's way too much for me. But I just feel like I have to do it because I have to. So um, I respect that. 
what is something that is popular now, but in five years, everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Um, well, you said something is, that's it's popular now? Popular now, but in five years, people look back on and be like, why oh, the fuck those, did they do that? Those fucking, uh, what do you call those things? Those little pouches of money? Fanny packs? Fanny packs. <laughs> yeah, fanny packs. People those ones like keep going up and down, though. And yeah, I like keep, but everything does. Everything does. But yeah, the people that are doing it now look like, oh, remember this? Oh, I had a fanny pack on this picture. Oh, so embarrassing. But I, I feel, <laughs> that's why I wear my fucking holster, not a fanny pack. <laughs> overalls. Overalls, I feel like, are making a comeback. And I, I support it. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I actually like, like oh. overalls. I do. I'm like, yo. I think I've seen some on females, and it actually looks pretty good. Um, and I used to rock them back in the day. No shit, I cannot picture you in overalls. I can no. picture you in overalls. What is your favorite thing about yourself? I feel like it's probably two things. Um. So I, I guess what I ended up doing is I just I'm so fucking like just depressed, like especially when I was younger, and I just, it just made me like not fucking really care for life too much but in that there was a certain value of like well if i don't really give a fuck about life well there's nothing stopping me from doing what i really want to do because i just don't give a fuck so then that really pushed me to actually i think probably join the military and then go to iraq so many times and do this training and do that and it ended up become like in like a real uh i don't know i, I just got to do so much because i i wasn't scared to because i didn't really care about what the fuck happened uh to me I think that might go into the other part of, like, I just don't give a fuck. I, I think those two might be the same thing, or at least that's what I got out of depression. I was like, I don't really care, so why not? And to me, I was able to use that uh, in a lot of different things. I think there's a quote. There's like a, uh, like, I think either, I don't know if Albert Einstein or Lao Tzu said it, but he's just like, once you get over the fear of death, like, pretty much the world is yours. And that's. It sucks that it was depression that sort of made me get over that, but that's sort of what it is. I, I don't, I don't care. I just, so why not? So why not do Project Hammer? Why not invest in these businesses? Why not do Kung Fu and help people? Why not? Because that's beautiful. What is your most embarrassing story from before age ten? I know there's something that happened a little bit after. I was, I used to rap or whatever, but this is a common thing. I don't know if you ever saw Eight Mile. Um, and he's, uh, you get up on stage, you practice this rap. I was practicing, I was practicing. I didn't really know that I didn't know it, um, this whole thing. And it was my first time in front of, obviously, a big group of people. And I just got up on stage, and I just, and it was my turn. I just looked at the crowd, and I had nothing to say. And it was just, I was like, oh. and I couldn't, I couldn't get anything out. I didn't remember. I've been, I had to freestyle something, which was fucking terrible. But um, it was really embarrassing. I was like fucking sweating and shit like that. Um, I definitely remember that. Uh, which makes me want to work on public speaking. I have that little, not have that little trauma. But yeah, what is the book that has most influenced your life? Um, probably into what I was just saying: the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> but to be honest, I already had that mentality before I read the book. But it just, that one is just sort of solidified how I thought. It was that one and um, The Art of, The War of Art by uh, Stephen, Stephen Pressfield. It was fucking, it's a solid book, man. It's, um, 
it's the dude who wrote like the gates of fire and which then became 300 like i'm all into that uh greek stuff and uh yeah the war of art it's um it's basically telling like everything every pain that you've ever been through is because you're not living your fullest life every all the trauma that you still carry on it's because you're not doing what you truly meant here what, 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 what you're not doing what you're meant to do that was sort of given to you from the gods or you know the dudes in the greek mythology so he says gods and uh yeah he's like every all even your illnesses can sort of come from that is you not living the truest form of your life uh and you know he he delivers it in a real good way but yeah definitely that one in the subtle i'm not giving a fuck definitely my favorite what life practices do you do to keep you sane and balanced? Oh, um, Qigong, sexual kung fu, and kung fu. Definitely. That's why I'm here. So, so I could get those practices. Other than that, I, yeah. That's the whole point. Um, what is the most environmentally friendly thing you do and or the main environmentally friendly thing you want others to do? I don't think my footprint's all that big. But I just, you know, I just recycle. I try to, but we have to at the, at the retreat. So I can't really say that that's mine. Um, sure, you can. Um, I don't know. Not really too much. Not really. I can't, I don't even like to say recycling. It's just uh, environmentally friendly. It's making people aware of certain things that I know. I think that's the, it's probably the best thing you can do is sort of spread. Once once it becomes sort of taboo to do certain things, whether it be throw your trash in the ocean or ride elephants, the more you can do that and make it not a good thing to do, the more people will just accept it. Um, so, yeah, let's try to spread what I know about the environment. Why do people do small talk? It depends on the culture. That's it. That, that's definitely In culture. our culture or Western culture. I think huh? maybe it's a bit. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to come off as like crazy, I guess. So if you just said, you just turned to the person next to you, was like, <laughs> my dad used to beat me when I mean, he'd come in like from, from, from work or whatever. And he'd be drunk. Like that's way too much. That's like too much. But unfortunately, I don't know. It's just a society thing that that's too much. But if you say, yo, how's the weather and everything like that, yeah. And then, you know, sort of, then you butter him up, I guess. Then, <laughs> then you can drop that, yeah, my dad used to beat me when he came in from work. Once I, you establish what temperature it is outside, <laughs> then you can get into your childhood traumas. <laughs> yeah, sta- establish some rapport. That's something that I definitely learned um, in Kung Fu as well as in the military with certain things. Um, being a, like a military police officer established before before you get into anything that's too deep so yeah right. i think small talk is just a little bit of that a little bit of establishing rapport telling the other person you're not a crazy and you're just a positive kind of person that's fair all right so it's called interesting or not you only get to i'm gonna do rapid fire words you only get to say interesting or not in response to them and i define interesting as whether or not you would do independent research as simple as just doing google search on your phone is that is that in, it's that interesting that you're gonna look it up all right ready? okay yeah reiki what is it reiki interesting mycology 
Psychology? Mycology. Mycology. It's like fungus and the, <laughs> and the environment that a... Interesting. <laughs> Astrology. Oh, very interesting. Juggling. Not interesting, no. Jesus Christ. Interesting. Beekeeping. Interesting. Superfoods. Not interesting. Homeopathy. Not interesting. Politics. Very interesting. Hashtag me too. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah. (laughs) Kids. Yeah, interesting. Chakras. Yeah, definitely interesting. Cultural misappropriation. Interesting. Snapchat. Yeah, no. No? No, not interesting. (laughs) Meditation. Interesting. Past lives. Not interesting. Marijuana. Not interesting. Spirit animals. Unless it's tiger praying. <laughs> not interesting. Fairies. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Plastic free living. Was it? Plastic free living. Yeah, interesting. Psychedelics. Not interesting. Out of body experiences. Interesting. Hypnotism. Interesting. Ecstatic dance. Very interesting. Conspiracy theories. Not interesting. No, no. Okay. That's all we got. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on yes. the podcast. It was a pleasure. It's such yeah, a pleasure to have you. Nice talking to you guys. Nice having you guys at the retreat, man. I hope to- we should uh, take a picture with you before you go. And also, I mean, like, if you want to really promote the podcast, I think we should probably get a video of you doing a twerk push up. Just putting it away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You want to promote- set up I knew it, I knew it. this, <laughs> this whole, whole podcast this whole thing up, up to this moment yeah. <laughs> let's do it right. I gotta go pick up laundry <laughs> nah, definitely- <laughs> convenient right. later, excuse later tonight before yeah. we leave bye. we'll get you when you do the mural <laughs> <laughs> exactly alright the mural so never happened right. bye Thank you. bye Thanks.